I like Now You See Me a lot. Which he, is oh, he, did, he did not. He did the did first he Now You them? See Me. No, uh, the second one yeah. I think is John Chu, which I don't like as much. Um, I've only seen two. Yeah. I've not seen either. Um, I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking. This is what I was just thinking about the Now You See Me movies because I was like, that is like a true thing that maybe doesn't translate where they were talking about um, some fake show about magicians. Um, sure. And uh, someone on the podcast was just like, um, the best thing about magic is putting it where all the thrill of it being done in front of you is gone because there's edits and workarounds. Right. <laughs> so it just feels less impressive. I was like, oh, I guess that is true where it's like, I would not just be excited to watch a magic movie. Even though when I was a kid, I loved that Disney Channel magic movie. Yeah, I mean, well, and that's the thing. And now you see, there's like a bunch of stuff that is like clearly impossible that they just do like digitally or whatever. But then like the fundamental like heisty stuff is like fairly sound like stage magic principles, I guess, that like could be. What if, what if I pulled someone. a card out of my hand right now? What if I just... Oh, I'd be like, that's crazy. I mean, audio and even worse medium for magic than sure. than, than film. Uh, <laughs> is this your card? Yes. <laughs> Everyone's just like, okay, I guess I'll believe them. Yeah. You picked the ace of diamonds. Right. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> <had> a... <laughs> We've talked yeah. about the fact that I was in magic club in middle school, right? Uh, no. Not ever. <laughs> it, it, it would, I it guess, would I mean, I assumed... <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, i don't know i guess in my mind you could have gone either way with magic where you could have been sure. like oh yeah, oh yeah classic like oh you're fully into magic that seems like the, the weird like stagey thing you like or you could right. be like that that's for charlatans that's not yeah, real craft <laughs> those, those fakers yeah it's very it's very craft intense and so the uh one of the middle school science teachers had like a background in like stage magic. He, like, I forget what it exactly was. His name was Mr. Mancuso. Uh, shout out to him. Um, and so he would like, it was open to anyone in seventh grade could join the magic club and they would do a show every year that like where they would do like pretty like stage crafty illusions. It wasn't just like learning card tricks and stuff. A lot of the year it was like, here's like a thing of like trick cards you can buy or whatever. But then like we would build up and do a show every year. And so then, and then if you wanted to do it in eighth grade, you had to like get special permission. Uh, and I did that also. I, I liked it as like a, I get to get on stage and like present a thing sort of yeah, thing. You're like, that, finally yeah. I can wear my vest and my bow tie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can um, with the, ra- yeah. the razzle dazzle. And, and yeah. then there was, there was a high schooler who was like really into magic who would help out. And in eighth grade, I remember it was a fairly traumatizing experience for me when I was like, I was doing one of the things in the show. And he was like, one day I was like making jokes in the, while we were doing like rehearsals and stuff in the, we were waiting in the cafeteria to go into the, the auditorium or whatever. And he was just like, Andy, your patter sucks. And it was like, and completely devastating to me as an eighth grader, him being like, all this stuff you say on stage is really bad and not funny and like really awful. Um, and I don't know if I've ever recovered from it. Welcome to no. Can I Kick It? I'm one of your hosts, Colin Edge. I'm podcast about film festivals joined yeah. by. Uh, Andy Gamiga, getting some stuff off my chest this week. Yeah, therapy for Andy. <laughs> yeah, week, uh... 
Emilio Diaz is also here. Yes. And we're having a loose conversational episode. <laughs> That's right. About... <laughs> None of the hard-hitting uh, can I yeah. get facts you've come to expect from us over the years. It won't be regimented like it usually is. No, we didn't even discuss like what order we're going to talk about things in. Um, uh, there's a natural order, I feel yeah. like. Sure, yeah. Uh, I can set us up if you want us to. Um, go, 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 go. Yeah, so... Uh, well, you know, we like to turn to new releases that played festivals recently, occasionally. And uh, there haven't been a ton of those recently. I guess, like, everything Over everywhere all at once is, like, a big a big success story from a, that started at South By. But another movie that originated at South By and has not been nearly the uh, internet sensation is uh, Richard Linklater's Apollo 10 and a Half. Uh, and there's a subtitle there, which is... A Space Age Childhood. A Space Age Childhood. Thank you. Um uh, which, uh, you know, in true Netflix fashion, uh, appeared on the service one day and was April never 1st. heard from again. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> um, so it's out and we watched it. Uh, Jesse, our, 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 uh, our, our former and erstwhile co-host, I guess, uh, mentioned that she really enjoyed it uh, two weeks ago, I believe. Um, and it's a rotoscoped picture. Uh, which is, of course, the uh, the the animation method where you trace over live action footage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a form he's dabbled in two times before with the films Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly. Um, and so we're going to talk about him, uh, this this film. Uh, we're going to focus in on Waking Life also. Uh, and we're going to just, yeah, just have a conversation about this 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 new movie. Uh, and the style and and all these 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 fun things because you know we've talked about Richard Linklater before we talked about him on our Mike White episode uh, with Joe school Reed of rock, yeah um, when his uh, School of Rock uh, he's he's had an interesting festival history of course he, we've got the um, eternally uh, promised uh, fast food nation episode uh, potentially happening at some point in time maybe a mistake um, that we didn't do with this movie <laughs> maybe but who knows. Um, but yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. He's sort of like has carved out like a very unique individual space for himself, I would say. Um, he, uh, you know, he he doesn't always necessarily his movies aren't always like super festival y and yet they or I guess they're not like mainstream festival. Like, yeah, I wouldn't ex- like ever expect Sundance to see him at, like, South Venice. by a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's like a, I think I, I call him like an early Sundance South he's like by a, guy. He's like an American indie guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Sundance and like, I'm sure like Tribeca premiered like Bernadette or something. You're like last life flying. Like that feels like that was, that was a myth centerpiece. I believe last life. Yeah, sure. Was. Sure. I mean, even, even that makes sense as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I guess, do we want to start with, Waking life, yeah. Can't wake waking up. life. What can you say? It's a movie about a guy just talking to a lot of people about right, it's, like <laughs> philosophical theory. Plot light is is one 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 way to describe waking life. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a two thousand one film. It's his first rotoscope film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is. I'm trying. I'm not sh- like. It's probably. I mean, I'm talking out of my ass. Is it the first mainstream rotoscope film? Or like, oh, I wouldn't know. Um, yeah. I, I mean, rotoscoping is such a 
weird have such a weird long history going all the way back. They use to, it like, in Snow, Snow White. White. I Snow guess White. right. Snow yeah, White. they use yeah. right. Right. I wouldn't. That would not describe it. That sure. I think it probably is just a recent, a semi-recent revival of the use of, sure. te- of that technology. But even like in video games and stuff, like famously the original Prince of Persia, like to the game with like all rotoscoped and stuff. Yeah. Like Ralph Bakshi, he made a lot of his movies using rotoscope. Yeah. Um, I will say that, then, like, like, as we, I guess, like, what you could say that, like, Snow White and Ralph Bakshi and, like, those video games I mentioned, like, they more use it as, like, a sort of solve for a certain type of animation problem or just, like, to create this very fluid movement. And it is interesting just how, with Richard, the Richard Glitter examples, that is, like, the whole game. It's, like, using rotoscope and, like, exploring everything that sort of technique can give you yeah yeah uh, but yeah i mean when i read when i was like on wikipedia reading about waking life before watching it it like it, it describes it as like an experimental sort of film and then whenever mm-hmm. like something is described as, as an experimental film especially like something that i know is by like a semi-major director with mm-hmm. like a budget, I always like. There's no way that that's like, like you're just like describing something that is a little weird. Like, what are you describing sure. like as experimental? And then I watch Waking Life, and I'm like, I think it's all it's almost fair to call it experimental. Like, if it is, it is like taking a swing with both form and like time yeah. and like technique in a way that is unconventional. It's like oh, not tradition. Yeah, it's interesting. I I so I have a little bit of a history with this film which is just that i have a very vivid memory of like either coming home from school one day or like or going just coming downstairs where my dad was watching something for the first time and my dad was like watching the end of waking life on dvd like by himself and i was like what's this like this is very interesting looking like (laughs) this is very straight like it's the last shot is like a guy floating up into the sky uh and it's like animated and it's like that's really interesting and then i think he watched like one of the special features my dad's a big special features guy usually so i was like i that i like had a broad awareness of like what waking life was from this encounter that i had briefly with it i didn't like well, I wasn't like, well, let me watch it now or whatever Any at the time. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's like a it's like a real like distinct thing that's out there. And so sitting down to watch it this time, I yeah, I, I, I knew what to expect from it, like stylistically and like how and like what the art would look like. But I did not realize like the narrative form it would take at all, which was something that I definitely struggled with in watching it. Like it's you know, it's, it is a series of conversations slash mostly monologues, I would say. There's not a lot of, like, yeah. like, back yeah, the main forth. character, the kid, like, is a cipher, like, he's, yeah. yeah. But even beyond that, there are, like, a lot of sections where he does not chime in at all, and there are sections in which he, even his, like, physical form is not present. And... Yeah. Um, and it's people, you know, it's all these people, like, basically talking about, like, very, like, existential philosophical concepts about, like, what is it to be alive? What is it to be a person? And and and, and all that sort of stuff. There is, um, 
a brief appearance of uh, Jesse and Celine from the before uh, movies where they're having a similar uh, conversation with each other, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, But then, yeah, I guess like the rest of the movie, it really just depends on like how there's like the engagement of like how it looks and not how it's formal elements and all that sort of stuff. And then there's just like, how much are you able to engage with what these things that they are saying, like the literal like concepts they are talking about and like ideas that they are proposing and all that. And on that level, I found it a little bit tough. I found it a little bit hard to be like, okay, this is what this person's sort of getting at. It's, it's, it's that sort of style where everyone has like a pithy one line quote from a philosopher at ready to go at all times and I, that style is something where I'm just a little inherently, I'm like, you're like probably reducing this down into something where like, where maybe it's like, not, that's not what the thing that you're pulling from is like trying to say necessarily. Like, I don't know, like that whole style where it's like, it's like uh, this, this guy said, like uh, all, all time is a whatever, right? And it's like, oh, you just have a line in your head ready to go from this philosopher at all times. That's pretty crazy to me. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it makes sense to me because most of the people in it are like playing themselves basically like sure. there there are basically no i mean i guess apart from like ethan hawk and billy delphi and people like that or like i guess it's right. like nikki cat and uh, adam goldberg yeah it was in a section but all of the other people are like college professors and like actual like real life like philosophers and political figures so they are basically <laughs> just like giving a speech that they would give regardless of whether or not L- richard linklater would is making a movie or not yeah so i guess it makes sense to me that they are like that presented i guess and also i do it's like being semi around academia the kid growing up due to like mm-hmm. my parents being like college people i do a thousand percent know people like that who are just willing to give like a big speech about the future and stuff mm-hmm. stuff like that uh, the drop of the hat with like quotes and stuff yeah I mean, this is a classic. I mean, I guess I don't. Colin hasn't said how he thought, uh, how he feels yet. But this is a classic. Like, I Colin asked me what what I thought about it, and I said I'll save it for the podcast, mostly because I wanted to say that I loved it. I think great. I kind of, it's like I have been sort of falling back into this rhythm of like I'm struggling to pay attention to movies, but I found this one incredibly compelling to look at, and I found it very compelling from a. Uh, I guess a macho form and function mode of I I found the rotoscope to look just I don't know gore, I I guess I would I just have to say gorgeous because I do really just love how it looks and I do think that how it uses its look to the to portray the sort of dreaminess that is sort of like the wraparound that this movie is like giving itself because it's like if we were going to go deeper into describing what the movie is about it's like this kid is sort of like having a dream and he's sort of reckoning with all this dream logic and all these people talking to him about about the stuff is framed as a dream and there are these moments of unreality both in like the macro of just like rooms that don't make sense people floating away but also in the micro of just like the way people's faces move is so fascinating of just like when you can do this rotoscope technology there is just a fascinating use of 
what detail in like a person's face or like a person's body or like a person or like a room jump out to you and what and what other parts sort of get flattened out it mm -hmm. just really spoke to I guess how I feel my brain working both in dreams and sometimes even in real life sometimes and while obviously every like all of the like philosophical, scientific, political points that the, that the people in the movie are making, I obviously do not agree with or like find a little sometimes pat. I do always find people giving those sorts of speeches compelling. I do, I am fascinated by how the passion translate and how, how someone like Linklater just lets the speeches go on and decides to try and communicate these concepts through the like vague little small moments of of animation and just like backgrounds changing and the way that things move and I, I don't know I just really enjoyed the whole thing I do like a movie about a dream is also catnip for me I do mm -hmm. tend to like those yeah I watched it a few days ago and um, at first I was like, oh no, because I do like, without getting like into weird things, <laughs> I have like, uh, with some sort of animations or like the one that I always point to where this happened to me, uh, I, I get like motion sick kind of, um, there's a video game called the unfinished swan that came out like a decade ago, probably, <laughs> And it's like a completely white world where you are throwing paint to reveal like your path and what you're supposed to do. It's like a sort of indie game, like not very complex, like renderings or anything like that. But for whatever reason, like walking around and like nothingness, but with different um, like levels and things like that. And like having to reveal it for myself. I was like, I literally can't play this game. I'm going to throw up. And uh, I knew this was rotoscoped and I had not seen any of his other rotoscope movies, but I was excited to um, because like I, 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 this was like the first time I saw it. Like I, I think we talked about on our school of rock episode that I like liked link letter as a kid, but never really went through his full filmography. Um, but I remember when a, a scanner darkly was coming out, I was like, this movie looks crazy. Um, but I wasn't allowed to see it cause it was rated R, sure. but um uh, so I was like excited to see it and I didn't know how sort of like constantly moving it would be. Um, and I was like, Oh yeah. no. Cause it was like that sort of first conversation with a guy talking about like, or it's not the first conversation. It's like the conversation where the guy is talking about like telescoping theories and like, uh, like human, like genetics and like uh, developing traits like that uh you like the tables in the back will like rise up and like sink and everything's moving in his hands like grow and shrink and when i was first working i was like oh no this is like gonna be one of those things but i like warmed to the style and then also i like didn't know the structure at all so i was sort of put off by or not put off just put on edge by how uh it sort of just bounces like between theory, between theory, between theory and finding yeah. some of them engaging and like finding the whole movie incredibly compelling as I was watching it. I'm just like, I don't know if I'm like 
picking up everything this movie's putting down, obviously, or even like vibing with it. But I could not like look away. Um, and then I watched Apollo Ten and a Half, which we'll talk about. And then today I rewatched this and oh, wow. was much more into the visual style, um, mm-hmm. knowing what I was going to get out of it. And then um, finding myself on a similar ground as to where like some of the stuff I think is like very uh, moving and like works really well. And people talking about these theories and then some of it, I'm just like, okay, like <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to like, you made it weird or something like just pop uh, philosophy, like very basic theory. Like I think someone on Letterboxd called it like frat boy philosophy. And it's like that sort of thing of just like, it is um, not basic, but like in a way where it is just like, very um approachable if you can like meet it on the level that like it's gonna be just like a weird sort of dreamy heady having a lot of like conversations with people um and i saw a friend of ours who's been on the show before mentioned on twitter that apolitan and a half and um waking life shouldn't really be compared other than the sort of um rotoscoping and I almost disagree because they both feel very documentary-esque where it's like sure. this could easily just be like a documentary about like f- dreaming and like theory around that and like purpose where it is just like two camera interviews. But obviously um, the rotoscoping allows for like animation on the side as it's happening and um provides this sort of compelling thing of like what is going to just happen like there's a sort of unpredictability to everything where like a guy just sets himself on fire and like we move past it but that I mean it is all sort of a movie where you can just accept everything as like this is how like dreams are crazy like you can just have like a dream like this and it would feel like this um Mm -hmm. and it reminded me a lot especially like giving it the once over uh afterwards of uh Yuasa Emilio where I feel like his sort of animation he like um Masaki Yuasa who I think we've just mentioned like in plugs maybe um we've talked he, about how Inuo played like Venice yeah 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 Inuo, yeah yeah we talked yeah um but he um I feel like he's someone who when I ever whenever I watch his like movies or shows he's like always stretching the form of animation for like every single ounce that it's worth and this similarly uses like every sort of rotoscoping like technique that they have in the tool book it looks like because they're just there's like constant movement and constant things happening um yeah i cannot imagine how hard it must have been to animate this i know Like, like it is it is very like impressive and like especially like i watched it on a blu-ray um that looks incredible and the the sort of whatever restoration or trans or not restoration but just like transfer that they have of it like it just it it lends itself incredibly well to the animation so i land very positive on it especially compared to the other movie we're talking about (laughs) um but almost uh appreciate it more than i like love it where like i can certainly see how like 
one would fall like head over heels like because it is just like if you sure. vibe with this thing you might vibe with it like very very hard and yeah um, i think that's kind of where like, i am yeah yeah i think the moments that like i engage with the most are in the latter half where they're talking about like lucid dreaming a lot and um that yeah. sort of conversation with like the punk rock guy i think is very fun and then um you have the the bit where they're talking about andre bazin uh with a Kabe zahedi i think is how you pronounce his name he's like talking about this theory the, the section's called like the holy moment where he goes to the theater and then he's watching these people talk about uh this like idea of capturing god through film in these spontaneous moments and like the more regimented your film is like right. the less holy moments you have and like the less holy moments you feel and then they like try and engage with this moment of like uh having like a in the moment meeting like eye to eye with someone else right. uh but then like not being able to do it because you're thinking about it and you're like consciously trying to do it and that in and of itself like cancels out it being this holy moment and like that is something i think about a lot of just like being present and like if you are thinking about being present how present are you and like right it just sort of it, i mean it presents a lot of theories that like if you engage with one of them you can just talk about it. like it's just something yeah. that um allows for that like the style of movie for yeah. sure and, and then i did think about mind game a lot while watching waking life so which is like masaki Yuasa's film yeah which is like they're both they both demonstrate this like this commitment to unobjective depiction of just like well if if this person feels like this then he's going to move like this different way and they're going to stretch and they're going to bend in this weird way and we're going to use all these different animation techniques sometimes they'll look like a weird colored picture of a real life sometimes they'll look like almost completely formless and like obviously this movie isn't quite that but it does stretch itself quite a bit to try and match the form of whatever speech or pontification is currently happening and I do think a similarity between this and Apollo 10 and a half is I think like Apollo 10 and a half is like very committed to being this like almost historical document of, of Houston at the time, which is like, I, like for its for good parts and its faults. And I do think that there is an interesting like depiction of Austin almost uh, that yeah. waking yeah. life depicts of just like sure. you run into like, weirdos. You run into weirdos, cowboy bro philosophy, just like Alex Jones is there. <laughs> Alex Jones Alex is there. Jones, he gives, a, he really gives a speech. It is fun. I I like he's that like speech. 25 in this movie. He Yeah, yeah I mean he's, he's always looked, where, he's always looked 50, right? I know he, that's what's crazy. He's like 48 now. Yeah. When it's like, are you joking? He looks <laughs> older than my grandfather who's like 70 something or 80 something yeah and it's like one of those things where it it was the same thing with that history of like like thinking about austin of just like him and i think a couple of other like of the pontifications and there's like this big like you could almost like i think if you really wanted to put like a political leaning on this movie you could be like this is like some weird libertarian rambling there's a Mm -hmm. lot of like talk about like personal responsibility and like the personal like your your own personal just like how you factor into your own story or whatever which obviously is not a thing i agree with i i almost 
explicitly disagree with that, but I do think it is compelling how he just like lets these things roll and just like depicts just. I think it's also interesting that the center is sort of like this high school kid and just like being the depiction of just how much things your brain is bombarded with at that age and how like you're supposed to like fit it all together and make sense of it and seeing like what parts you take and what parts you don't and all and all of the ways that the way people think in life can sort of end up infusing your brain and the way you think and and I, it just how it bounces from one thing to another really helps that. And just all the people, like some people are college professors, some people are filmmakers, some people are just like random political commentators, some people are characters from from the the before trilogy. I like they're those weird yeah. like almost like alt righty guys that like Adam like Adam Goldberg and all those like those four guys who just walk around often. Just like the amount of information you're bombarded with, yeah, I just found very compelling in a way that at the end I I was like I don't know if I completely took in all that, but I almost feel like that's better to like not completely have gotten it all. I mean, and I think it's a movie that you can just like because of its form and its um structure, you can sort of like pick and choose almost. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so yeah, I did, I did, I, I agree with what Colin said earlier, where like it does, I become, I think more engaging for me in the back half and like pick up more there. A lot of the time, especially early on, I was like, I'm not sure like a hundred minute feature is the best form for this sort of <laughs> thing. Like I, I wanted something more like, you know, like a series of shorts that are screened, but you have like conversations in between them or like, like something even more like just because like, I feel like it throws a lot at you and you don't. And like, I couldn't tell you what like 90% of the like ideas discussed in any of the scenes were having seen the movie like a day ago, like, cause it's just too much for me to like fully retain and process it all. And I just wanted something that had gave me a little more, room to breathe with each idea as it was presented and, and consider them and that sort of thing so I, I i don't know i just the hundred minute feature i think is not the ideal form for me for this sort of thing i i, I like the hundred minute feature because i do think yeah. it is the thing that most helps it feel like sort like what brings it together is like feeling like a dream where it's just like yeah yeah you come out on the other side of it and you remember what you remember and you don't what you don't and you sort of just have to try and piece together what your thoughts Mm -hmm. and feelings on it are from what you got from that and it's like and if you didn't like I guess you could go back and I guess you maybe will never go back and that's what you get from it yeah I think yeah I, I I agree um with you Emilio I think like it does work as um, as it's like feature, and I think for me especially, like it helps to like have to like sit in it. Um, and it's like I was truly like even at its moments where I was like I do not like this, I was still like I can't look away though. Um, and I think like the it, 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 the runtime helps with that, even though I don't really notice it. Um, the moments that I do. Um, really like or when i mean it's like when they're talking about the dreams um and like i think they mention it a bit in the um ethan hawk totally dopey section where he's like 
uh, or she's like, sometimes like, you know, I fall asleep and I like have this whole thing and then I wake up and it's only like 10 minutes later. And then like, they're like, what is to say that that's like not happening now or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, the thing that I didn't know that I was like, that's actually crazy. <laughs> um, to be, I think if, uh, I, I wonder, I wonder if this is the same thing that I thought that I was maybe going to ask about. Um, I would be surprised, but it was when they're talking about um, dreams and like lucid dreaming and like I had always I always know about the thing of like you look at something written uh, and you can't really read it and like when he he looks at the clock and he can't see what it says and the guy's like also if you like turn a light switch it won't change <laughs> and I was like that's crazy I've never really thought about that and like when I watched this movie I was like I'm going to try and dream tonight <laughs> and then I like I forgot to <laughs> but yeah. um, I do like yeah. thinking about like turning a light switch on or off and it not changing and then when he does it in the movie i was like oh my god <laughs> yeah for sure and it's what i was thinking about it's like because before sunset is it till three years after this right before sunset is oh four i think and this yeah is this 01, is oh so one yeah. yeah so this is yeah so this is the first time those characters appeared like in a second thing yeah yeah right i mean look it's his sort of multiverse movie <laughs> it is his multiverse movie. but yeah i just think about like because i i guess i don't even know about the production history before something i just like did people know he was gonna make another one or is that like be, be like all that everybody I don't thought know. i mean he i think he just likes those characters yeah He's, i'm pretty sure it was he, a surprise when the new one was coming out. he is like we haven't really talked about him he's like a weird sort of cerebral guy in interviews and like he's always like very thoughtful and um like measured with his responses which is funny like if you watch any of his like he did one of those criterion um adventures in movie going and uh all this stuff there he, he he's just like a good person to hear talk and he's like clearly like a very intelligent guy and it like it's just funny that he is the guy who's doing this. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I think I should really just watch more of his movies because there's just like something to his approach that I really appreciate that I have recently been like, I have recently fallen into just like really like watching hangout movies and just movies that are just like people vibing for the most part. And obviously, sure. obviously, you know, for those but I think both of these movies are like sort of in, a very interesting take on how to make something that is like vibey and just like sort of hangouty that are that is very untraditional to like the structure that those movies tend to take place in. I guess I also appreciated Waking Life because there's like it felt so lonely to me in a very compelling way. Like there's a way in which even though he's always like running into these new people and talking to these new people he almost seems like a non-factor in his own participation in it in a way that just feels like he's like walking into these empty rooms and there's some there's mostly just another person in it and he like doesn't really do that much and all all of the times where he's like floats away from like he like floats away from the ground where it's just like it's a movie about this character who's like so incredibly unmoored from any sense of like physical or tangible reality and everything that exists around them is conceptual in a way that he sort of doesn't have any handle or control of that just like really hit me. 
I don't know. This is a this is a movie where I really could see myself in like five years having watched like ten times and just like mm-hmm. I mean, if, just like to like keep getting something different and that's like obviously something that people have a lot of later movies like everybody wants some and like Wolf Rock we talked mm-hmm. about how we watch it we've watched that a lot or like the before movies which I've only seen the first one because I am waiting to watch the other two you're and... waiting the full time right yeah so when, I, you, I think I have, like, when did you watch the first one like 18 going up on it what is it, eight years? So it would be five. So there's still like three years left. Um, but yeah, I guess I, just, I need to watch like Slacker and David for Shears and all those. Yeah. Movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, and like this film, it was like it played Sundance. I don't think we mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out that October, like so it was out within the year. It's a searchlight picture. Distri- who did the distribution? Um, it like did. It got very good notices in general. Like the critics really embraced it um, for the most part. Uh, it got like some critics awards and um, and and things like that. Um, I guess it did play Venice also. That's um, it was uh it was in the in the competition there i guess that's crazy um and then uh it was on the afi's top 10 for animated films that year and it won it won new york film critics circle for animated and so it was sort of a a critics pick for animation certainly i think um yeah so that's waking life i'm I'm sensing that we're probably moving on um so that's 2001. Uh, a few years later, he puts out another in 2006, uh, same year as Fast Food Nation. So if we are looking to pair to, to revisit uh, something with Fast Food Nation, that would be the one maybe. Uh, he does put out um, A Scanner Darkly, which is just a, it, it, well, I mean, not just, but it is a Philip K. Dick adaptation. So it's like a, it like is... adaptation of a a story so it is you know ever it's got actors in it playing characters it's not it's it's much more traditional in its like structure uh as a film but it is also using this rotoscoping technique um uh i watched it sort of half in the background as prep for today and it's i think the movie i like the best out of the three that we watched for today oh um it's you know it's it's got a lot of twists and turns and I didn't quite follow them also like I had to like check the Wikipedia and stuff to like be like oh okay that's what's happening um but uh but yeah I think it's got some good performances Winona Ryder's really good in it um Robert Downey Jr. giving a film performance uh it's got a Keanu performance I can tolerate uh um, <laughs> Jesus uh I think he I think he's all right in it um and then uh uh so yeah so that that's 2006 uh, I think that one also does. It's none of these are like super financially successful. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I don't um, know if any of his movies are really like he is just sure. Like, I mean, School of Rock was like huge. Sure. Um, and I guess like Days and Confused was like very culturally huge. I don't know how much of a financial yeah. hit it was. Did Boyhood make money? Did Oscars prevail? Oh, maybe. It? I think Boyhood made indie indie movie money. Yeah. Um. 
because that was another one where it was kind of like you won't like the like what it is right was like so much of a story it's like you got to see this thing um it is crazy yeah boyhood is that's like a movie i should rewatch. like i i watched it at the time and i remember being like oh this is pretty good this is like a neat thing to do i guess but now i there's like yeah. some people who like really go hard for that movie yeah. I, I wonder like, if i watched yeah it i like that movie a lot at the time uh i haven't revisited i own the criterion i should revisit it but yeah it did yeah. it it made 30 25 domestic 32 uh uh, 32 million internationally for a total of 57 million against a 4 million production budget. So it definitely like made its budget yeah. several times. That was a thing of like, um, I saw it at the time and like went crazy for it, but it was also, um, I was like the same exact age as the character in the movie. And I was like, this is just, <laughs> I did all this. This is so crazy. Sure. It's like, right, yeah. so, I mean, it's my it life. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's so like, and also, I guess watching I know, like, more like player stuff and just like watching like more review, more like stuff with like more interviews with him and stuff. I'm like, if Crazy Eddie got a kid that kind of really looks like him to be <laughs> <laughs> to be the boyhood kid. Yeah, I mean, look, and his, his, part of wake, his part of waking life is one of the weirder ones. I'd say. Just him he's playing pinball, right? Just like yeah, doing a ball ten him. and a half. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, so yeah, so right, right. And I would say like the four midnights 23rd. So there's there's this weird like Scanner Darkly and Cast Food Nation in the same year, then me and Orson Wells is in 2008, which is not goes nowhere. But then mm-hmm. he sort of has a nice little run of Bernie before midnight and boyhood, each sort of I feel like building buzz in a way. I guess maybe depend you know, before midnight could be a dip in the middle, depending on how you think about it. Like, but I feel like Bernie was like people were like this movie's really cool and you should check it out got a lot of like hey you should check out this cool little movie buzz people thought jack black would get an oscar nomination <laughs> right uh before midnight obviously the culmination of that trilogy people like there's a certain amount of hype built in that, for it yeah i think that is the first time i ever heard of richard later i'd say because i obviously watched school of uh, rock as like a kid or whatever but i right. it was like I, I was a kid i don't know i didn't know who fucking directed you were in auteurs as a kid yeah. no and um, then when I think there was such a big hullabaloo around when before Midnight came out, right? That I was just like, oh, I guess this is like a major director, I, yeah. this is big I, experiment, and he's doing right. so much. Because I remember I hadn't seen any of the before movies, but I was like on Twitter when Before Midnight came out, and like people were like, oh my god, Before Midnight is happening this year! Like I can't, but like people were so excited about it. Um, and then Boyhood, obviously, like. He gets the picture director screenplay nominate like sc- screenplay nomination, um, and it's like probably the peak of his cultural cachet, right? Because then yeah. after that he does Everybody Wants Some, which is a wonderful movie that I think anyone who sees it really likes it, but it, it like yeah. doesn't capture the zeitgeist in the same way. That's like an it's Amazon that, movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Amazon. They bought some of the things. It's like. People now are like that is actually like one of uh, his best, yeah, the best movies of that year or maybe even the decade, right? Like, why didn't we give this movie enough at, at the time or whatever? Yeah. And it's great. I just rewatched it recently, and it is so easy to watch. And it's like it's just that is like truly just like we're vibing out and we're hanging out, and everything is cool. And yeah, fun. it's just so fun. Um, yeah, and all the young guys or whatever. Yeah, all, all the guys it. in it are good. They're all fr- like. 
the I said this on Letterboxd when I rewatched it, but I do just love how like he gets there and instantly they're all just like friends. And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> it's yeah. almost yeah. like nice core, like sure, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess I mean like all of the like how even though it didn't hit, like there was a bunch of people who are being like, all of these guys are gonna be start like the Glenn Powell like Powell, yeah I feel like there was Glenn Powell mania there for a second sure I mean look it's sort he's, of he's in but I guess Top Gun Maverick is gonna be what right yeah. defines whether that it will continue being I mean the same. yeah Wyatt Russell's in it right he's popped pretty Wyatt much. Russell really good yeah. yeah Tyler uh, Coachlin yeah uh, uh don't need to talk about Blake Jenner at all um Zoe Deutsch she's had some the success Deutsch. um yeah uh, and then after that, it's the real, like, I guess Last Slav Clawing is sort of the most recent nadir in terms of, like, no one really, there's another Amazon release, no one really saw it. Most of the people who saw it didn't really like it, although I know people who stick up for it, obviously. And then Where'd You Go Bernadette, which I know Cullen stands. It's an incredible movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's another one where, like, it got a weird release like it released weird in the calendar it was based off like. this big like target book right. that it was a like, huge book right yeah <laughs> and uh, uh, also, they were like that that's also a classic movie where it was like is this movie gonna come out this year and then people were like no it's delayed and it's like it's gonna come out three months from now and they're like no is it gonna come out three months after that and it just like kept getting pushed in a right. weird way and nobody would ever read be sure about it when it was releasing and then it just kind of got dumped in august from what i remember yeah yeah that was the thing where like at the end of that year of 2019 i was like i should watch some stuff that i missed and i like happened to throw it on and i was like this is like incredible why is no one talking about it uh i think it's a pretty good movie i think it's got its charms certainly uh good cast billy crudup i think is good um Crudup's very good in it fishburne has like a killer one scene thing sure yeah 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 is really good the whole movie yeah. i just very much enjoy yeah um and then since then the news has come out that he is doing uh merrily we roll along which i am sure I, i've talked about previously uh which he is taking 20 years to make because it is a musical that takes place over 20 years and he's filming it 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 uh it goes the conceit of the musicals it goes backwards in time so he he's filmed the ending and now he has to work his way back to the beginning. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it could be really cool, I think. I don't know. I mean, I love that material. 20 years? That's so crazy. Yeah, I know. How many, he's like three years in now? Uh, I think they've only shot the first segment, but they need to take multiple years in between segments. So Yeah, it's oh, not like... Uh, so it's not, 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 it's not, yeah, true boyhood every year sort of thing. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, Beanie Feldstein's in it, Ben Platt. Uh uh yeah we'll see it has a lot of potential to be my favorite movie ever made no pressure if i'm not at the whatever festival premiere it's it is at, i will be so mad um and but nothing else really like it's been really quiet on the richard linklater front for a while i feel like we're like what's he working on and i guess the answer is he's been working on another dang rotoscope movie that because they take forever to make right uh and uh i don't think i even knew that it was happening until the south by announcement that it was premiering there uh apollo 10 and a half a netflix film uh about how to describe the premise of this film i mean it's like a cultural history of the 60s first and foremost i feel uh, yeah it's like the, the yeah, yeah it's a cultural history of, of houston in the 60s 
framed around the a the moon landing. Of, yeah, framed around the moon landing and a kid taking part in an experimental like test launch. flight to them test launch yeah. to the moon. But the movie is also weirdly not really about that that much. No. That, the way that it uses that I think is funny. Uh where it's like it starts basically and he's like Jack Black does a narration of I don't know who the, the young actor is um who's playing the main character but he is like when I was a kid we used to do this and we play kickball and like you weren't allowed to throw the ball and hit anyone anymore. My and it's like Coy. one day these guys came by and it's like Glenn Powell and Zachary Levi and they basically scout the lead character because he's like able to run fast. And they're like, you did well on your presidential fitness exam. Um, you get all these. He's like, also like a smart kid, I think. Right. Yeah, he's like, uh, your grades are good. Um, you seem to be the perfect person for the job. And it's like, they go and start like NASA testing and where he's like right. in that gyroscope, like spinning Cause, thing. Right. And Cause they accidentally built the, 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 the lunar vessel, lander like the a launch, little too yeah, small. Too small. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, but before we get to the rest of this, <laughs> right. I'll tell you this. And then it's like fi- 50 minutes, basically. Or like, of like 40 minutes, basically. Of right. Just of like, like, here is everything that I was obsessed with in the 60s. Right. Here's a and catalog like, of late 60s television shows and movies yeah. and Baskin Robbins yeah. existed also. Did you know that? Like, it's yeah. Like, and it's just like, yeah. and then we would do this and then we would do that. And then this. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, it does all that. And then it goes back to that. And then that's like seven minutes. And then it goes back to more, doing more time. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, right. yeah, and then but I also, space, like, and the real okay. history is taking place in parallel to the fake history of the child yeah. landing on the moon. It's, yeah, the, it's a lot, it's got a lot going on. Yeah, I think it's like okay. I think it's, yeah, like it is hard to like get a lot out of it. I think, other than just like, yeah, like this is like nice. Um, I said it on Twitter, yeah, that a lot of it is just like the Forrest Gump shrimp list, but for 60 specifics, where it's just like, especially in the scene where he's talking about all the TV shows that he would watch. He's like, Batman, this, you know, Freebie and the okay, Bean or whatever. Yeah, that's right. And it's yeah. like listing everything. I was like, oh my God, I get it. Right. And it's it just like, like almost it's like... like a Tarantino thing of like, here's all these specifics that I love. And it's like, right. Yeah, but the whole movie just can't be specifics, I think. Right. And it's just like, oh, did you just want to like rotoscope all these like title sequences or these like these talk shows or like, is that, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, what, that what is, you wanted? To I think do? it looks great. I think this sure. one, like, yeah, I will say- it is very clean. Yeah, it looks. I think it might one of my bigger takeaways is that I think it looks gorgeous. Like when they're yeah, doing yeah. when they're, when it's showing fake sounds of music, I'm like, that's one of the most yeah. pretty things ever put on screen. All the like, movies that, and everything that are filtered through the rotoscope like looks very cool, and I'm like, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I do agree. Yeah, where it's just like my take on it was more like, oh, so they just kept like the pitch for the movie in the movie, where yeah, it's just sure. like. <laughs> just like Richard Linklater in a room being like, but you gotta understand Houston in the 60s. Yeah, you know, yeah. NASA was all over the place. It was really like the future. Nothing was from the past. Like right. my brother's growing up and, and, I'm, and I'm just like, this is nice to look at. I like Jack Spike's voice. I'm not mad at this, but I'm just like, yeah, I could have 
you could have just asked me to guess what growing up in Houston in the 60s was right. like. Well, I, I mean, probably that's like, like 80% like, of it. I feel like three quarters of the things he talks about are still like extremely relevant and well-known today. So it's like, why are you explaining like what Baskin Robbins is to us? We all know I mean, about all the 31 the... flavors. Like, why are you explaining what the sound of music is to us? Like everyone has seen the sound of music. It's kind of crazy. Um, it's so, yeah. I mean, it's funny. There's like moments that it is able to just like get these little things of like nostalgia pings, I guess, of like sure. childhood universalities. Like he's like, we play this really dangerous game called Red Rover. And it's like when the big kid like runs through and breaks the kid's arm. Right. I thought that was like very funny. Yeah. But then um a lot of it, like I it's cool when they go see 2001 and like you see yeah. that rotoscope. And he's like, I would tell everyone about it. And it's like, yeah, I bet you would reach Link Letter. You made school of rock, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and and even beyond just like I get there is like almost a charm to just how just like basic it is where it's just like my mom used to make we used to say Frito pie and eat jello cubes or whatever. Right, yeah. Like, We'd make sandwiches <laughs> and freeze them and sometimes they'd still be frozen yeah. and you ate them for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like what I'm saying, it's like what I said about like waking life where it's like do I think these are all like intelligent observations? No, but there is a little bit compelling of just like it's nice that this person just like has these fond memories right. about these things and they're like able to communicate it, I guess. But it, it is it's like it is sort of funny just like how deep into it it gets. Cause like obviously when Jesse described it a couple of weeks ago when he when she did her plug, she talked about how it goes back and does does the like history of growing up in Houston or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be like a fun 20 minutes. And then when it just kept going, I was like, wow. Movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. I know you, it's like 65% yeah, of the runtime yeah. of the movie. Yeah. The movie is like yeah. 90 minutes long. The movie is not long. And that is a huge part of it. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do agree. Like, it looks really cool and really engaging. And, um certainly like i think you know space stuff like the the capturing of the cultural reaction to the moon landing and stuff like i really love the characterization of the dad in contrast yeah, to Bill like Wise the, is yeah that guy. um he's like a veteran like austin actor like he's sure in yeah life I was, he's in a lot of link letters. yeah i was gonna say like, like that's a, a common thing in like both these both these movies not a scanner darkly but th- this in waking life is like not a lot of recognizable actors in it like and especially like especially with the rotoscoping on top of it like if it's like mm-hmm. a like a little known character actor you're maybe not gonna catch like oh i've seen that guy in a couple things or whatever um uh so yeah it, like it, it is sort of very immersive in that way and I do like I think like yeah the the dad he works for NASA he's like in charge of uh, shipping and receiving uh, and like the kids there's some fun stuff about how the kid doesn't like that he's not like a fancy person at NASA he NASA he's just like a blue collar yeah. guy at NASA uh, and there's also yeah the, he's like super into the moon landing super into like Cold War American supremacy and stuff and then his kids are a little more like some of the daughters are a little more politically engaged on like anti-war like sort of things yeah um, but that stuff is again like i feel like i feel like oh like us a like early 70s female teenagers very into janice joplin and the sure yeah like very like 
the Dick Cavett stuff is very funny. Also, it's just like what a weird thing to put in your movie, and like, um, it is just so like it it just goes on for too long. Like when they're like talking about the music that they would listen to, I, it's like I am wondering like how did like do you have to get like the rights to draw? The, that's that? what I was thinking about. Also, I was like. The rights must have been crazy. I mean, yeah, Netflix, like, so I imagine, right, like, just, like, probably was, like, sure, do whatever you want or whatever. Um, but, the, yeah, the, I mentioned it, I mean, when I was talking about Waking Life, I said it here. This one, it feels very much like just a documentary not narrated by uh, Jack Black. Like, um, I, and I, like, similar to Waking Life, obviously, like, the animation is what is the selling point of it being, like, not just a documentary but um and the narrative is like much more I, felt like i don't know like where i heard this but i feel like he's talked about like well i wanted to make this movie in first per in like in live action but nobody would give me the budget to make like a space movie so i just did yeah. the rotoscope thing again i mean it's hard to not imagine like what it would look like if he was using like old like super 16 or something and like filming this like seven uh, 60s pastiche uh and like it would like I imagine it could look gorgeous, even though I know he's like a digital guy. But it is like one of those things that is like what this could have looked like if it was live action. Cause um it's not like necessary for the animation, but it is just something that is interesting about it. Is like yeah, the animation. And I mean, like, yeah, like I don't know, like that Astro World sequence at the end, I think, is like so wonderfully suited to the animation style. Like going through that like lame like snow ride yeah. tunnel or whatever uh and i love the moment when they're on like the skyline or whatever and like they start spreading they keep to each other the, that the that the yeah. that the moon has that the, the, the shuttle has landed on the moon yeah um i think that's just so wonderful seeing how excited all every car gets um when they're when they hear the news um yeah i mean like yeah i like i think there's cool settings i like it's pretty cool to see like a lot of this old stuff in a rotoscoped way. Like I love to see like the, the Hogan's heroes logo with rotoscopes. Like that's like fun to see, I guess. Uh, I'm glad he got like a lot of money from Netflix to make this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad to see like four to 12 different random 50 sci-fi movies depicted right. in, <laughs> in rotoscope yeah. fashion. Yeah. It like looks good. It, it's like a class. It's like I, like I said, waking like waking life. I really sort of enjoyed the runtime and all of that it did for it. Like this movie could have been like six, like a both and a half could have been like sixty minutes long, and yeah. I'd be like, I got everything I needed to get out of a and a half. Yeah. Um, but it's like even at its current time, I had a decent enough time watching it. There's just like as Colin said, there's not a lot of substance to it. Yeah. And like, you know, they, like even they emotionally, the, like it's not like you're. Not yeah, even, there is. Not. I don't really like. There's a bit of like, oh, like that's like Andy was mentioning, like them going across the the skyline to be like, we did it, and like telling everybody is like a little, like that's nice that they were all like. I mean, it is just crazy to think about like what it felt like at the time to be like excited by this, and yeah. then um. But it is just one of those things where like, everything else in the movie doesn't really support the um like the there's kid, there's yeah. like very little like the the kid like I he barely talks like 
uh, he doesn't say much. A lot of it is just Jack Black's narration. Yeah, um, Jack Black talks over the entire movie. It's like basically yeah, a uh, 90 minute Jack Black monologue. Like, But there's uh, like, um, there's one scene that I was saying, you know, someone else goes, sorry. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a, like, I do it like, I that's the stuff that I like like all the like the actual real life documentation documentation stuff. I don't think the kid in space storyline does like anything sure, sure, for sure. me. Like yeah, I don't I like mean, it's it's kind of weird like how little impact like seeing the kid in the space shuttle or whatever. I guess some of the sequences where they're like doing tests and stuff are kind of fun where it's like the kid in the in the simulator and like the the adults are getting mad at each other for not like knowing the manual well enough but like the actual like kid landing on the moon like as a stand-in for the actual moon landing like i don't think it really has much of an impact yeah Um, yeah because i think that's where the movie suffers from being like so like generic like suburban childhood non-specific of just like that character is like kind of nothing and so it's like there's nothing really to buy in like when at the end when he's like looking at the tv then when being on the moon or like them like blasting off i thought there was going to be like some good actual like emotional payoff for you being like wow this kid is like the only person on earth who really understands like what these guys are going yeah. through and there's something very compelling to it and it just kind of doesn't it's sort of flat it is it just like registers at the same like documentary level that the rest of the stuff registers at like, I don't think the movie does a good enough job of bridging just, like, the childhood of Houston stuff and, uh, like, reason for, and the, like, moon, what him, his specific being at the moonland and stuff. Yeah, I I mean, I, the, the moonland, it just, like, it's certainly going for that with the cross-cutting between uh, the kid doing everything and then, like, Neil Armstrong doing everything. But you do... It is just sort of like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm not like, wow, this is crazy. It, it, it just doesn't really, it doesn't hit the highs that it could. Yeah. Um, but I I mean, like, I, I, it's tough to say. I like think it is just nice and like, okay. Like, I'm happy, you know, like, let her get to make the movie. It seems like something that uh, he likes to talk about, uh, but it is just very, very slight and like hard to have anything. I'm surprised, just like it it is generally like everyone is like fairly tepid on this movie. I feel like there's a few people like Jesse talked about that she liked it a lot, um, and other people I've seen sort of like it a lot but it is just i don't really find much to be like wow with it right like like, to be like you gotta see it like you gotta like run out and and, like see what he's doing with this um yeah okay are we ready to move on to our final segment yeah i mean i like link letter a lot and i don't know anyone i guess yeah i think you, I uh, as we talked about, I like Where to Go, Bernadette a lot. Um, and I should watch Last Flight Flying because I've seen the last detail now, so I can oh. have all the context that I need to finally watch it. Um, but he is, uh, I feel like it's not um, 
or it's like a very obvious comparison to him and Steven Soderbergh. I feel like sure. they do a lot of in, similar, like um, he's in, yeah, he's in Waking Life. Like um, and I think briefly in Skinner Darkly, too, maybe. Okay, cool. Uh, he, um, but they're just guys that I think about uh, sort of in tandem a lot of like um, Link Letters, maybe more like, I don't know. I was going to say he's more commercial, but he, Soderbergh has those oceans. Has the oceans, just yeah. Like popcorn, yeah. Um, but I mean, they're just similar guys of like experimenting with form. Obviously, uh, Soderbergh loves his iPhone and like they both experimented with like camcorder footage like he did tape. And I think is it full frontal or bubble is the one that is the like mini DV. Full frontal has a lot of uh, mini DV stuff in it. It, yeah, it yeah, cuts yeah. between uh, that and 35. But um, but yeah, and like they're just guys sort of keeping the uh american indie dream alive now of like now they just mm-hmm. do movies for hbo max or netflix but right. like still squeak their little weird things out um and i'm i'm, I'm always happy to see a new link letter I, i'm he's mm-hmm. I, I think he's one of the good ones <laughs> yeah i hope he keeps working i hope he makes it to finish merrily we roll along like god yeah i mean look that's 20 years is such a long time it's crazy to think about yeah. but i guess like we didn't really was it an I, I i we don't need to get into like whether or not boyhood was announced back 10 years before it came out yeah but, i feel um, like yeah people didn't and i do feel like merrily roll along got sort of announced against their will like they didn't really want to like put out a press release about it i think it was just like sure. people heard about it and then it's some new some one of the trades picked it up and then they were like we're like yes we're making this movie but they haven't really said anything about it i, I do think i saw a brief clip of him getting asked about it uh, doing press for Apollo 10 and a half and he didn't say anything really of substance other than just like yep I'm working on it and like it's gonna take yeah. a while um, but yeah we'll see we'll see yeah we can do uh, special presentations I've got one hot off the presses if no one else is ready yeah go for it I have no idea what I'm gonna talk about I watched Wild at Heart last night and lost my goddamn mind the craziest shit I've ever seen it's so crazy that movie has like literally everything you could want out of a movie in it almost. It is, it's like I was watching it uh, sort of on a whim and I was just like, Lynch is cool. I haven't seen a ton of his movies. Like I've only really seen Twin Peaks and then like um, the straight story in Blue Velvet. And, um, and I was like, this will be cool to throw on. Like I'm on a weird, like I've been watching a lot of Nicolas Cage this year. Yeah. Um, and then I just watched it and I was like, this is the, it starts, I mean, it starts so crazy. It's got like a lot of like loud, like thrash metal music in it and uh, a ton of fire. Um, Wicked games. Also, like, Chris Isaac plays a lot. Yeah. They play Wicked games a lot. Uh, Cage sings like Elvis. It is just, everything and i was like my jaw was on the floor for so much of the movie and then it's like and then an hour and 30 minutes in willem dafoe shows up and is also the craziest guy you've ever seen and it's just like it's just like incredible it's like i i had no idea what to expect and like everything that happened i was just like yeah this is great this is i'm all in great um yeah i do need to check that one out uh, i have not not seen it 
I haven't I've only seen like three Lynch features, I think. I need to yeah. see more. Um and who knows if I'll have uh, something out soon. Sure. Uh I'm gonna continue on my music plug bit. And I'm gonna mm-hmm. plug uh resume by Genevieve. Uh it's sort of like an R and B like bedroom poppy like track. Uh it's very good. People should listen to it. I've been bopping to it along in my head all this this entire podcast. Andy. Yeah, uh I like I mentioned last week, like I have started like five hundred different TV shows in the last two weeks and I'm like two to three episodes into all of them and I'm like not super confident about which ones I want to start shouting out or not so I will say I've mentioned the show before I uh, I failed to finish the season last year and the new season is coming up I think next month at this point uh evil Paramount Plus is evil formerly of CBS uh I just watched uh season two episode 11 uh which uh I thought was a very fun uh, episode uh, in which uh, Michael Emerson gets a um, exorcism uh, and so that was pretty fun and crazy and worth watching and I have I think two episodes left until I'm caught up before the new season so I'm looking forward to having that done uh, shortly in the next month um, yeah and I think that's it Cullen wrap us up yeah if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter you can do so at can I kick it? If you want to follow us on Letterboxd or Instagram, we are at CIKIPod. Uh, if you want to donate any money to us, people still donating money um, mm-hmm. in a very crazy way and always it is appreciated. You can do that at ko-fi.com slash C-A-N-N-E-S-I coffee.com slash can I Amelia's going to can so whatever money you want to give to that cause uh we can call it just cost. just dump it there so Amelia could buy a silk shirt to, to wear on the oh. uh, at, on the quasette I'm gonna um, fly to New York actually slap this <laughs> in <anyway. laughs> um and then our theme song is by tree related who's on Spotify at tree related and soundcloud.com slash tree related with that it's the end of the episode and we'll release our audience bye, bye. Alright. Didn't let us plug our socials. Here's to us. Who's like us? Damn few. Hey, old friend, are you okay? Old friend, what do you say? Old friend, are we or are we unique? Time goes by, everything else keeps changing. You and I, we get continued next week. Most friends fade or they don't make the grade. New ones are quickly made and in a pinch sure they'll do but us old friend wants to discuss old friend here's to us who's like us damn few so old friends 
fill me in slow. Old friend, start from hello. Old friend, I want.